Hey Broadbeans, Jamie Dale here, the main broad over at GamingBroadly.com. Today we are taking a break from our regularly scheduled programming to bring you a special live recording from PAX South 2018, where I had the great honor of moderating a panel alongside the lovely Andrea Ayers of Lumen Sucker Games and the equally lovely Ian Danskin of Innuendo Studios. The panel was called Reclaiming Basements in a Multiplayer Era, Why We Game Alone, and the purpose was to explore the social and psychological reasons players are reclaiming their alone time. The question Andrea, Ian, and I wanted to ask was this. In the golden age of massively multiplayer online games like Overwatch and Destiny, why are some players choosing to go it alone? Is it a radical act of self-care, antisocial tendencies, the effect of online harassment, or something else entirely? The PAX South was amazing, Uh, and I know I speak for all of us panelists when I say that we lucked out with an incredibly fun, curious, and quite honestly, larger-than-expected audience. Also, a big shout-out to all of you who participated digitally with our Reclaim the Basement hashtag. The internet would not be the same without you. And without further ado, I bring you Reclaiming Basements in a Multiplayer Era. Hello. Hi. Hey. Oh, I love that. That's so good. How are you all doing today? Doing pretty good? Yeah. Woo. Did anyone go to the sound effects thing? Yeah. The peanut butter? Anyway. (laughs) Yes. Forever and ever. This is my first PAX, and I'm so excited that the first one I ever went to involved someone using peanut butter as a sound effect live. So... That's pretty good. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming. This is so exciting. This is such an intimate room. I feel like we're going to have a moment. It's like dark. The lighting is low. We're going to be talking about solitude. It's going to be. It's, it's sultry. Yeah. I, I, whoever designed um, the layout of this room was great because we're doing reclaiming the basement, and this kind of feels like a basement. So we're doing pretty good. I like it. Awesome. Um, so before we get started, full disclosure, we are recording this for a podcast. So if you speak into a microphone, speak clearly, or if you don't want to be on the internet, don't use a microphone because, or just come up afterwards and be like, I'm that person. Please don't, (laughs) please re-record over it, whatever you want. Um, So cool. And I'll tell you about that when I introduce myself in a second, but we're actually going to start with you all and then we'll end with me. So I, well, I'll say my name. I'm Jamie Dale. Um, I'm the moderator for this panel and these are my lovely panelists. Uh, hi, I'm Ian Danskin of Innuendo Studios. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm Andrea Ayers of Lemon Sucker Games, and I don't have anyone to woo for me. Woo! <laughs> oh, geez, thanks for picking up on that subtle hint. Uh, okay. We don't want compliments at all. Um, I'm Jamie Dale, JD. I'm the. Oh, thank you. I had a. <laughs> Oh, that's so sad. I'll woo for myself. Um, thank you. I'm the main broad over at GamingBroadly.com. Uh, I run a podcast. I also do some writing, educator, all of that stuff. So cool thing. Usually when I'm speaking in front of people, I'm alone in my room, not wearing pants and sitting. So this is a, this is a fun new thing that I'm doing, speaking, standing wearing up and pants. fully clothed. <laughs> yeah, so if you ever listen to the podcast, add that to your... 
to your imagery. Um, yeah, so this is who we are. We already did that. So these are our Twitter handles. It's also my Instagram handle. I don't know if they use Instagram, but if you want. Um, I'll leave that up there for a second. No, I won't. We're just going to yeah. go. All right. So we have a, a hashtag, which we actually are going to come back to later because I love audience participation so much. So reclaim the basement. So throughout this, I was about to say podcast, throughout this presentation, this panel, if you have thoughts about why you game alone, which is the theme of this evening, please tweet using reclaim the hash, or sorry, reclaim the basement. Don't reclaim the hashtag. <laughs> That's probably a totally different movement happening right now. Um, but yeah, reclaim the basement. There'll also be an opportunity for you to just say it out loud if you're not a Twitter user, totally fine. Um, I'm sometimes really bad at Twitter myself, so equal opportunity, real life, and internet. Awesome. Cool. So, moving forward, basement dwellers. Who here has heard of video game players as basement dwellers? Yeah. Woo! Awesome. So many of us. Um, so... This has been kind of a common theme of talking about gamers for a long time is that we are solitary, we don't have many friends, or if they do, they're not real super offensive. Um, that we live in basements, which we're in Texas and don't have basements really, so I don't really know how that works. But yeah, so this is a common stereotype that we've been dealing with for a long time. Um, it came out of kind of the 80s media panic, if you want to do some history stuff, where everyone was really worried about this new media product that children were excited about. And they're like, ah, it's bad for you. Don't do it. You won't get any friends. People will think you suck. Um, and it kind of stuck around for a long time. Until about 2014, um, there was a study came out by Taylor Jensen and some other folks um, where they determined that, it turns out, gamers have friends. <laughs> Big surprise, I know. Um, and in fact, loners in the video game community were actually an outlier and not the norm. So that was pretty cool. So cool, in fact, that that, oh, no, that's not what I want. The other way. So cool, in fact, that almost every publication on the Internet um, had an article about this, how excited we were that we had friends <laughs> and that science was here to defend us. Um, basement dwellers no more, thank goodness. We all need vitamin D. So, yeah, so it was super exciting. Everyone was like, oh, my God, we have friends, and science has vindicated our friendship. Uh, and to give you some backstory of what I was doing at the time, this was 2014, I was in grad school. Have any of you been to grad school before? Yeah, where you, <laughs> it's kind of like a two or three year, five year long basement, right? Like just your whole life. So I was gaming alone all the time because I was getting my master's degree in, in video games. And so I kind of felt personally attacked by a lot of these article titles. <laughs> like, oh God, I swear I have friends. They're just not here uh, <laughs> for a while. Um, it's been a few years. And I was also living in a renovated garage, which is basically an above ground basement. So like all of these things put together didn't work out so well. Um, but it also got me asking the question of why it was so important for us to tell people that we had friends. It was really important, and it's still something that, like... I find myself struggling to tell people who don't play games that I do play games. It's a hobby. It's a leisure activity. Um, I even have a podcast about it, and it turns out I'm talking to other people on the podcast, so I at least have enough friends to talk to in a recorded setting. So it's it's something that I feel constantly the the need to defend. So I wondered why do we care so much about being alone? Why are we so fearful of people thinking that we do things on our own without other people around. So 
I started asking a lot of questions about that. It turns out a lot of people have been thinking about solitude for a long time, and it's not just gamers. Um, so we live in Sarah Maitland, Matland. Sorry if you're here, Sarah, and I mispronounced your name. She wrote this book, How to Be Alone. It's a pretty wonderful little book. She talks about kind of this this history of struggle between spending time alone and spending time with other people. It's not new. It's not limited to games. Um, but it's particularly interesting in the current society because we live in a pretty self-help culture right now. Like we spend a lot of time talking about self-esteem and well-being and like liking ourselves and we're all worried about how much we like ourselves and worrying that we don't like each other ourselves enough and then being like oh god I don't like myself enough and that makes you not like yourself more just like a whole spiral of things right but we don't really like spending time with this self that we're supposed to spend so much time improving and it's kind of an odd an odd conflict right like be the best self you can be but don't don't enjoy it fully. Like, make sure that it's only with other people. Don't be alone with yourself. <laughs> too scary. Too many thoughts. Um, no so she also talks about how there's this perception of people who spend time al- too much time alone, and too much is of course dependent on how much time alone the person that's saying you spend too much time alone thinks is appropriate. But often people's response to you spending time alone is this idea that people who spend too much time alone are sad, mad, or bad, meaning either they're really depressed or they're really sad about being alone. Um, It's related to some sort of mental health, mental illness, something like that. Or they're bad people and no one likes them. And that's why they're alone, because people think you suck. So sometimes these things might be true. You might suck. I don't know. um, maybe you need to work on your social skills, but it's not necessarily correlated, right? Like you can be alone, but not be sad about it. You could, um, your mental status might not actually be affecting whether or not you are alone. It might sometimes, or you might be crappy, as I said before. Um, so if you actually look up related terms for loner on Wikipedia, many of them are not like they all fall into those three categories, except for these four. Ah, oh no, you can't see it. Can you see the pink? Okay, it's like at a weird angle. So yeah, so those four I highlighted because I thought they were kind of neutral. Um, I don't know if people think hermits are are bad, but I think they kind of sound cute, like the crabs. So I decided it was neutral. Yeah. So if you look at it, those are all the related terms on Wikipedia, and I, I verified that this was accurate before I came here today. And yeah, so all of those come up, and they all relate to these three categories. So for some reason, we think someone who is a loner, um, it's correlated to this idea of sad, mad, or bad. Um, a lot of different for reasons why people think being alone is bad. Philip Koch and his book Solitude, appropriately named, um, is about solitude. Uh, he, t- he talks about all the common arguments people will throw at you if you say you spend a lot of time alone. We're not going to go into all of those today because we don't have time, but we are going to throw in some maybe positive reasons for doing things alone to kind of counteract some of these narratives. Um, my favorite one up here is the self-indulgent or selfish because how many, for me personally, my family tells me I'm selfish all the time if I go home and spend like an hour playing video games. Is that right? Anyone get selfish? I get all the time. You should be out. I shouldn't imitate my mom. She'll probably listen to this podcast. I love you, mom. You're great. Um, yeah, so the, the kinds of activities that people think of as being too much of, it's, it's kind of specific to leisure because if you think about when we do work, people don't think of that as super self-indulgent, right? Right? Like people think if you work, sometimes you have to do it alone and that's okay. 
Um, if you're doing some sort of sport or training, like no one ever tells my sister that she's selfish because she like took an hour long jog. They're usually like, that's impressive and inhuman. Who are you? Who runs for an hour? I don't know. It's bananas. But yeah, so it, it's really narrowed down to leisure activities. So things that we do um, in our free time that aren't for money, worth, value, they're not like sportsy kind of things. Um, it's very much the leisure. And there's actually some research out there that shows that we ourselves feel really anxious about going out and doing leisure things alone. So like eating alone or going to movies alone. Um, people get really worried that other people are looking at them and going, oh my God, they have no friends. So their enjoyment of that leisure activity is decreased. Yeah, so we're really, really afraid of doing leisure things alone. And on that point, I'm going to actually give it over to Ian to talk about his history with... Leisure. It's a man of leisure. What's up? Yo. So um, I wanted to talk about some reasons why an introvert would ever play games with other people. So I totally don't have my speaker notes. Thank you. Uh, so in elementary school, I was friends with this guy named Matt. Um, and I didn't have a very fast computer, but Matt did. And his family kind of spoiled him with video games. Like he got a racing game demo and they bought him a steering wheel and a set of pedals for the computer for a two level demo. So every day after school, I would go over to Matt's house for a couple of hours and we would play games for like two hours before I would go home and actually do my homework. Um, and that was pretty great. We played like a lot of adventure games from beginning to end. We played Quake and we were in fifth grade, so we had God mode on, but, um, <laughs> that was really great. But then around middle school, I stopped hanging out with Matt because Matt was actually kind of a dick. <laughs> but by that time, I'd made friends with David. How do I move ahead? <laughs> Thanks. Gamers have friends. Okay. That help us. <laughs> See, Andrea is my friend. And she helps me. <laughs> so by then, I was friends with this guy named David. And David didn't have a faster computer than me, but he had consoles that I didn't have. So I would go over to his house after school, and I would play Ocarina of Time, or um, we'd play Virtual Fighter 2 on Saturn. We'd do that for a couple of hours, and then I'd go home and do homework. But then by high school, David and I weren't hanging out anymore, because David was also kind of a dick. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's one reason why an introvert plays games with other people is not so much for the people as it is to get access to the games. <laughs> and by the time I'd stopped hanging out with Matt and, Gate and David, I decided that wasn't a good enough reason. So now, I would rather play games by myself than with people who drain my batteries. There's a lot of different uh, schools of thought about how introversion and extroversion work. But I'm just going to, like, mash together the ones that make the most sense to me. Um, in basically any human interaction, some part of your battery is going to get drained and some part of your battery is going to get recharged. Now, with uh, my dad, my dad is a really, really hard extrovert. Like, he's the kind of guy who can spend time, doesn't matter how many people there are, doesn't matter who the people are, pretty much always getting charged more than he's getting drained. My mom is the polar opposite. My mom is someone where, like, if she's alone in a room, she can be alone in that room for three days before it occurs to her that maybe she should interact with somebody. So she's, like, she's a super hard introvert. And I am somewhere in between. I'm a bit closer to my mom's side than my dad's, but 
I'm closer to the middle than to either, and I think that's true of most people. Most people are somewhere near the middle. I enjoy alone time more than I enjoy time in a crowd, but too much of either leaves me feeling kind of crappy. My sweet spot is a couple of close friends or one-on-one time with someone that I really care about. And something that I've noticed is that most video games seem designed for ambiverts. That's people who span pretty much the entire spectrum. They're comfortable anywhere on this line. Like most video games, a big budget AAA release is expected to have a single player campaign, which you play either by yourself or sometimes couch co-op with another human being physically sitting next to you. And it's supposed to have a multiplayer mode. And your multiplayer mode is supposed to be like either a posse of friends against a posse of strangers or like you against a universe of nobodies. Um, And that covers the far ends of the spectrum, but it doesn't really cover my sweet spot. And since I'm more comfortable on the low end than on the high end, I tend to stick to the single player campaigns and just kind of ignore the, uh, the multiplayer. So playing games with another person is bringing someone into something that is usually private. I'm typically alone with my thoughts when I play a game. I mean, I kind of started my career by thinking way, way too much about video games. And the relationship I have with them is not something that's going to come out in a casual acquaintance when a casual acquaintance is around. I can still have fun in that situation, but it's not exactly a scenario I tend to seek out. Nowadays, if I play a game with another person, it's typically a game that forms a specific relationship. Like, there is a person in my life that I play Dream Daddy with, and there is a person in my life that I play Super Smash Brothers with, Melee Life. But the relationship will enrich the game, and the game will enrich the relationship, and that's not something that's going to happen with a Matt or a David. That happens with people and with games that I adore. So I just kind of want to throw out the idea of playing games alone, not because they're isolating, but because they're intimate. I'm going to hand things off to Andrea now. Oh, man, I knew Ian should have gone last because he's like so much funnier and that's OK. Um, hey, I'm Andrea and I want to talk to you about the benefits of solitary play. Um, so I made a game about eating oatmeal by yourself uh, in a college dorm. I have severe social anxiety and uh, I wanted to use a game to explore that. And what I found that um, games are really good at is helping you explore things that you're too afraid to do in like, like I'm not going to go talk to Ian about my social anxiety, but I can kind of explore those things that I'm too afraid of in a game, either by making one or through playing them. And so I wanted to talk to you about that. And um, so I just said playing alone helps me get out of my own head and examine some of my own critical responses to failure. Uh, I'm terrified of failure, but if I fail over and over and over again, which I do constantly in games, then it gets me more comfortable uh, with that feeling and realizing that the world doesn't actually stop or end when I fail. Uh, so what I'm kind of talking about more broadly is this idea of well-being and well-being is a term used by psychiatrists, uh, governments, non-governmental organizations, a bunch of people. And it basically is just the 
psychological, physical, and emotional state of being content with your life, which is a real fancy way of saying, like, are you happy with how things are going? Um, and it it's important because uh, games can help us uh, get to a better place of well-being by um, giving us a... Sorry. Okay. It gives us solitary play, increases autonomy and presence. Um, when it comes to that feeling of well-being, it's important that we feel like we're in control of our own lives. And when we apply that well-being concept to things like video games, uh, we see that when you're playing by yourself, you actually have greater autonomy and presence uh, versus social gaming. And autonomy is just... When we say that, it's your ability to govern your own decisions and actions and presence is like um, when you feel like you're in the game. So any sort of immersion or transportation. And what this researcher found was that um, solitary play increases people's immersion and transportation uh, more so than in social gaming. That's not to say that it doesn't happen in social gaming. It's just the effect is more prevalent and I want to talk about why that matters. So um, autonomy, things like autonomy and presence are important for uh, your imagination and creative side. Um, when you feel kind of comfortable in your space and for people who are maybe introverted or who may want to explore different components of themselves by playing a different kind of character than they may normally play or one that may not be, you know... Uh, socially acceptable if like I wanted to experience gameplay as like a guy but I may not feel comfortable doing that around other people um, then doing that by myself allows me to inhabit these uh, characteristics that I may not otherwise explore and that helps me learn more about myself um, and my phone turned off which is cool uh, so it also, when we play alone, it also helps us, we feel like really free from our obligations. So freedom from like work or whatever priorities that we have. And um, getting that you time is really beneficial. Again, coming back to Ian's point, it helps you recharge your batteries. And that's really great. Uh, and it can help us learn things about ourselves. Um, we can think differently about the world around us because we're having these new experiences, which allow us to kind of, um, when you're immersed in a video game, you're the voice in your head that tells you you should or shouldn't, that you're doing something wrong, that internal critic is actually reduced. So you're able to experience new thoughts and um, have new perceptions about things in your life and in the game, which is always a benefit. Um, and that doesn't mean that like engaging in social gaming is bad. There are just different psychological benefits to both. 
Uh, and I had talked to someone on Discord because as is, uh, my, my motto, I try not to talk to people over the phone or in real life as much as humanly possible. <laughs> so I would just do it on Discord. And I really liked what they had to say. Um, they said something I appreciate about playing games alone is not being judged on how I choose to play either the type of character or actual method. Playing alone lets me just play for the experience without being self-conscious. On a more systemic level, playing a game like Dark Souls let me build a character and play style for both challenging and expressive purposes. So we see this person experienced all those like psychological benefits uh, and had this kind of wholesale experience of well-being. Um, and they do that by gaming alone. And so... That's all I had to say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw it back to you, Jamie, now. Sweet. Sweet. Um, oh, God. So I'm going to ask them a few questions. And if y'all have any questions, I think there's, is there a mic set up somewhere, an enforcer? Anything? I think in the middle. I can't see. I think. If there's not one, just come up here. I'll give you shout mine. It'll be loudly. fine. Um, just shout loudly. Oh, there we go. We got one. So while they're setting them up, I'm going to ask them a few questions. My my first question is actually because I I know I know you too, and occasionally we're lonely. So my my question is, what's the difference between gaming alone for you and gaming lonely? Um. Well, so like personally. I generally find that playing by myself is actually a lot less lonely than like playing in a room full of people I don't know very well. Is that something other people feel a lot? Stay. Got some snaps. That's like a good sign. When someone snaps and points, that means it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, because like, I mean, again, it's sort of the, the charging your battery, draining your battery. Like if I'm by myself, I'm alone with my thoughts. Um, I... It's arrogant, but I find myself kind of an interesting person. Um, and when I'm with a group of other people, they may all be wonderful, fascinating, interesting people. But like the experience of playing like a party game, like Jackbox Party Pack or something, that's really fun. But it's also not a very like meaningful interaction with another person. It's kind of like a low calorie, like low substance thing. Um, and that's fun, but it's. I don't know. Like eventually I start wishing I could have a more meaningful interaction that that environment doesn't really facilitate. Yeah. For me, I can always tell like I, thanks to the benefit of therapy, I know that I tend to avoid um, unpleasant conversations, environments, or thoughts about myself. So uh, if I'm engaging in my avoidance behavior, um, I can usually tell that because I'm... Yeah, I just did scare quotes from my avoidance behavior. You Shout did. Out avoidance. You did just use scare quotes um, around avoidance But uh, I can usually tell because I just won't talk to anyone. And that, and uh, like my husband will be like, how are you? And I'm like, mm, pretty good. And he's like, really good? <laughs> like, and good is just, that means I'm, I'm not interested in telling you how I really feel. And if I'm. So if I'm playing games for like longer than three hours, for me, I know that that's an avoidance technique. Whereas if I'm playing for, uh, 
like a shorter period of time, I find that that is not an avoidance technique. So really I'm just saying is know yourself, you know, mm-hmm. like just so Back to self-help culture, yeah. <laughs> just know yourself Do to know time. when you're being alone yeah. for the right or wrong reason. But mm-hmm. it, I mean, yeah, it's just a balance thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the, one of the big things is the choice to be alone versus it being forced on you. Mm-hmm. Like solitary confinement is, is torture, right? That's not a pleasant thing to do or have done to you, but the decision to, to be alone. Um, and I guess like if mental health is not allowing you to make that choice to be alone or not be alone, that also counts. Ooh, what are we doing? I'm just logging onto the internet. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> Where all our friends are. <laughs> um, cool. Well, related to that, because both of you mentioned kind of having people around when you game, what, what does spectatorship do to that feeling of, of playing alone? Mm. Actually, did, did any of y'all watch Twitch, right? A few people? Yeah, cool. So sometimes there's people that are alone, I guess, on there, but... How alone are you if you're on the internet? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I haven't I haven't done much live streaming, but I do always sort of think about like if you're watching a person let's play something, they are simultaneously alone in a room and acting very much the way that you would alone in a room, but like on the phone with a friend. Hmm. Um but there's literally like thousands or tens of thousands of people present, but they're not behaving the way they would if they were in like a room with 10,000 people. You have a very optimistic Twitch streaming <laughs> I, persona. I, I, I select. <laughs> I'm careful. I, I don't, I cannot play in front of other people at all. Like, uh, I tried, um, I was playing Overwatch the other day and for the first time like with other people on my headphone and and uh my husband leaned over and he was like you're 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 breathing too heavy into the mic and I was like oh my god (laughs) I was like I want to burn everything I was like I had to suppress the urge to like throw I just when I get scared or nervous I just want to like throw things so um I'm just like "Eh, I'm sorry um and he's like oh it's okay like people understand that you breathe and I'm like but I don't want them to know It reminds me, me and Andrew tried to play a game on the convention room floor and it took like two minutes before like this is, there's too many people. No one was watching us or cared. Like it was like a little mobile game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Lotus. Have any of you played Lotus on the floor out there? Uh, it's cute, but really sad because you're supposed to make a flower grow and then you kill it. It was just depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I'm not going to have any friends. <laughs> this is why I'm part of the bad category now, I mm. think, is part, is part of what's happening. You've just put me into the sad category. <laughs> and I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The best part is that wasn't planned, so good job, guys. We're doing well. We did not rehearse that. <laughs> so um, since we have some some gender happening... Up here. Uh, there's a little gender happening up on the a little stage. Bit, a little bit of gender. Um, so how do you think gender and solitary play does stuff together? <laughs> I'd speak for a living, y'all. This is, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Um, well, I know I am generally fearful that people will, uh, think I'm bad 
and that it's because I'm a I'm a lady, but I'm like, no, I'm just bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm just not super great at them, and but I don't want to like. Um, something that we've, I know we've talked about before is like feeling like you're representing your entire gender or, uh, and how that's, that's a lot of pressure. I'm like, I'm just really trying to not die at the boss level. Okay. Like, um, so yeah, that's definitely something I think about or, or the, the worst thing that would happen to me is, is thinking of like, even thinking about all the negative things that people might say is enough to get me to to not want to play socially. Like, I'm so concerned. I'm like, but what if they did insult you? What if they did say something mean? I would be like, I don't even know what I would do. I would cry, probably. And then so just thinking about that, I'm like, well, no, no, too risky. Yeah, so the... The stakes are too high. Crying on the inside. Mm. It's fine. Um, I think a lot about how, like, like we were talking about the spectrum of introversion to extroversion, um, and how, like, my dad is the super hard extrovert, and I feel like that's kind of what's expected of boys. That like we're supposed to be really extroverted. Um, there's all the like talk about how men are socialized to interact with each other. You have a whole bunch of bros and you're never supposed to be able to talk about how you feel about each other unless you've had like seven or eight drinks at the bar. It's the only time when your defenses come down and you can actually open up about your feelings with your bros because otherwise it's like not bro enough, bro. Um, and and like we are we are very much socialized to have this like very like many points of contact that are all fairly surfacey um and that to me like is kind of what a multiplayer interaction is a lot of the time it's like oh you're gonna play with a bunch of strangers or whatever and you're all gonna be focused on this thing you're not really gonna be talking to each other um and that's not like a very intimate uh interaction and like i think about like well i i like playing in a way that actually feels more substantial and meaningful. And if I'm going to play with somebody like, like I know I'm just playing super smash brothers with my girlfriend, but like we play super smash <laughs> brothers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to end the, end the panel. on Super Smash Brothers. We should all go play right now. I don't play Super Smash, but yeah, Destiny 2, hit me about? up. I know. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what yeah, is yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guy. Um, yeah, so cool. So how do you think this affects... We, we promised this in the description of our of our panel. So what, what do you think this means for kind of the, the future of the gaming industry? I feel like um, we've been seeing sort of this split in gaming um, of like, you know, it used to be there's AAA, and then for a while there was just nothing but AAA. And then, you know, then you had AAA, and then you had Indie. And now we're sort of seeing, like, this big expansion in the middle of, like, you've got your AAA, you've got your AA, you've got your big studio Indie, you've got your small studio Indie. Um, and a lot of Indies can't do, like, the big, expansive multiplayer that requires, like, servers that maintain high bandwidth for, you know, a decade or whatever. Um, and so you're seeing the sort of expansion of, like, games that are specifically designed for, like, six or seven people or, like, four or five people or, like, two or three people that are meant to be in a room together. Um, and I, I don't know if that's the future, but the fact that that space is opening up, like, um, and you have games that are, like, designed for two people, but are also, like, can scale up to, okay, it's two people and maybe a bunch of people, like, shouting uh, at the same time. Like, anybody play Nidhogg? 
<laughs> so like the first time I saw Nidhogg was at NYU Game Center and I had never seen a game that so instantly was a spectator experience for me of like I've never seen this game before and now I'm like screaming at the screen and I want to be part of it and that's an experience that like you can have with one other person or you can have with like 20 other people yelling at the screen along with you even though they're not playing and that scaling of like wherever is comfortable for you on that spectrum you can scale an individual game to that right level and I think that's really interesting i really like i feel like destiny 2 does a really good job of having different things for different player types and especially like i played through destiny and now destiny 2 without doing like any of the raids um because i just don't want to play with other people and (laughs) but i still have great time like i still love the game and uh and I just do all the patrols and I'm boss at them. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like just like allowing for more variance and variability, um, in different games, especially AAA games. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more of that happening. Um, yeah. And I, I'm a fan. I like that. I think that there will be more, um, more like opportunities for people to kind of tune in on their game style as um, I feel like game companies are getting to a good place of where they're picking up on that and allowing for people to, to make their own decisions. I think it's a matter of like trusting the players to know how to make the, the right decision for themselves and how they want to play the game. Yeah. Uh, do I have any educators here in the house? Go woo. Anyone? Yeah. Thanks. So I, I've, I'm an educator. So I, whenever I think of this question, I think of how I use games in the classroom or in an after school setting. Um, so if you have kids, send them to me. They'll get to play games. It'll be great. Um, yeah. And I, I find that often we, we tend toward having group projects in schools. So kind of reading up on this research on solitude, I've, I've been really thinking about how well we teach our kids especially with games, how to be alone. And I think my my big fear with always making everything social all the time, and even though we're everyone's like, we live in a connected society, you have to learn how to get along with people. Um, there's also this fear that if we don't teach kids how to be alone, they're only going to learn how to be lonely. So I, I think about that a lot when I'm, I'm setting up and using games in the classroom. Is like, if am I making part of this experience comfortable or easy or even just forcing them to be alone with their thoughts with this game. I mean, it's kind of hard with resources. So I always think about this in terms of if you have 30 kids in a classroom, it's hard to have 30 PS4s and 30 TVs. Why? (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to be alone. The ventilation in that room has to be real good. Like um, resource wise, not, not so easy. Cool. Awesome. Well, do we have any questions in the audience for our lovely panelists? Please come up. Otherwise I'm, Oh, oh, standing up. Stand, yeah. Come on Yay. up. I'm going to look at Twitter, not because anyone is boring, because I want to see what our, our nervous people on the Twitter have said. I do like this Sam Stevens. I'm just naturally introverted, so I dislike online stuff. I like couch co-op, though. Me too. Did anyone play Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time? Yeah. yeah. That one's fun. I love that one. They also then did the, like, this thing. That emoji? That's what they did. The, the shruggy. The shruggy. The shruggy. Oh, For awesome. For the people listening on the podcast, we are describing the shruggy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank you. You just put an image of that now. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> For forever. Hi, I can't hey. see you, but I'm... I, um, well, we have faith that you're there. I'm, yeah. I'm super cool, so... Uh, <laughs> so, what... It, 
Wow, that's really loud. Um, so what do you think, where do you think that something like an MMO with a heavy role-playing community component would fall into this? Because it's like people are getting these interactions, but they're not doing it as themselves. They're doing it as their role-playing character. Um, and so it's kind of a combination of alone and community. That's a so like, where, great where does, question. Where does that fall on the spectrum? I mean, I'm sure there's a few dissertations written about <laughs> Second Life. Uh, yeah, that there are. cover that. Sure. I haven't read them. <laughs> There's amazing research about um, like uh, people and their avatars, and um, if you uh, like, say, if I were to role play someone who's super self confident, no social anxiety, like loves to be with people, you actually begin to take on some of those traits yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes easier for you to do so, and so I'm guessing that there is some sort of transference there uh, for role playing in MMOs. Um, but there's great research about avatars in in Second Life, especially where they did this huge study about it. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of like really positive uh, psychological benefits associated with it. So, so as a as a as a follow up to that, do you think that having the avatar present bypasses the seven drink barrier? <laughs> <laughs> Tough call. It's not me saying it, it's Rogthar. <laughs> um, I mean, well, I, I don't think it's that clever a statement to say that. Um, saying something behind a handle makes us say things we wouldn't say in public. Uh, but a lot of the times it's, you know, having an avatar means that you feel comfortable saying and doing the worst things imaginable. Um, and it's sort of like, it's kind of the elephant in the room whenever we're talking about like the, the psychological benefit of like being able to play as another character and form these communities is that a lot of people are going to take that as an opportunity to be their worst selves. Um, and rather than like, oh, this allows me to connect to people in ways that society won't let me. It's like, no, this allows me to transgress rules that society keeps me from transgressing. Um, and so I think that like that's always going to complicate any discussion about um like an anonymity on the internet or lack of social consequence on the internet. I think in terms of whether it's alone or not alone, um, I would go, if you're talking to other people, I would say it's not alone, but then we can get into a whole existential conversation. about <laughs> are we ever really alone? Like if you're playing a game, someone has made it. So are you interacting with the developers who have made this product? And like, same thing with reading, like, yes. are you really alone if you're reading the thoughts and work of another human? Um, yeah. That's- so that's a good question. But. That is, and that is actually diving deeper than my question intended. So, so cool. <laughs> Thank awesome. You. Thank you. <laughs> hey, what's hey. up, illuminated uh, person? The ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> my question for you is, so you talked about multiplayer games can be more community, but we see a lot of multiplayer games have now kind of like a casual game mode and then a ranked game mode. Do you think you kind of consider casual more alone because the focus less on communication or if I'm playing Rainbow Six Siege with other people in ranked play, it's like, why doesn't this dude have a microphone? Why isn't he talking? Why is, <laughs> Why does it feel like nobody's got a microphone kind of attitude? I'm always that person who's like just not in the chat. In the in the team chat, I have a really funny story about that, um, which I'll share. Briefly. So in Destiny Two, I was playing with my friend, and we made we were doing that like guide thing where you like are guiding another character, blah blah blah. Um, and we made the decision together that we would only do it with someone who had a mic on because we wanted to talk to them because it made it easier. So we had this one person who didn't have their mic on, which would be Andrea. It's probably me. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a guy from Scotland. Um, and so unless you're also pretending to be a guy from Scotland, which is totally fine. But 
So we like, he wasn't getting on the mic and we like tried to leave the game. And then he got on the mic and was super mad. He's like, why are you trying to leave? We're doing so well. He was so mad. And then we felt like jerks. He's like, I just didn't want to talk. I'm like, oh, (laughs) anyway, but to answer your question, that's my sad story about trying to force someone to be social and how that probably like ruined his evening. And I'm, I'm back to the bad category actually. So sorry about that. Um, you know, I think if you're with other people, it's, it's kind of like a hard thing to decide whether it's you're alone or not alone. And I don't know if the casualness of play affects whether or not you feel alone or with other people. Does that make sense to you? Like for me, the, the type of game I'm playing is affected by how many people I'm playing it with, regardless of how easy or difficult that game is. But I will say that if you're playing like journey, you play with other people, but don't talk to them. And that kind of feels like being alone or at least alone with your thoughts. And I know if I play destiny two without my mic on and I don't, there's not chat. So I, I feel alone when I do that also. But what do you feel like? I mean, I also feel like um, Journey is a game where just because you can't communicate with someone in conventional ways doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean you don't form a connection with them. Yeah, like, that's it's right. kind of the, the thesis of the game is creating intimacy without normal means of communication. I see. Good job. Rebuttal. <laughs> Rebuttal. <laughs> Getting real up here and Point. reclaiming the basement. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Thank you. Did that answer your question at all? Yeah, it did. Awesome. Thank cool. You. Thank you. Hello. Hello. You look like you have cool hair. Thank you. I can't. Yeah, we're getting like a nice illumination. Can so someone much. confirm or deny whether they have cool hair? Con- confirmed. Okay, okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, hair. Um, Ian, you yes. mentioned Dream Daddy, mm-hmm. and that got me thinking. Mm. Um, this is going what, really well. <laughs> what about visual novels? What about the introverted experience simulating an extroverted experience Mm. and why is it viewed in kind of a negative light and i kind of wanted your guys' thoughts on it why is playing visual novels viewed in a negative light in a mostly negative light i'd think or Hmm. just thoughts in general that is crunchy yeah i made a visual novel that was kind of viewed in a negative light because it (laughs) well so it's again about making oatmeal and the and and (laughs) it was a very pivotal moment in my life it happened in college it's based on a true story uh i made i tried to make oatmeal in a dorm and i won't tell you the ending but uh the stakes were very high uh, but um people didn't view it as like a game right because they were like oh it, and, uh, but there were absolute mechanics and i think it's just i think it's actually interesting in the way that um like how we define games i think point of research not going to talk about it here but it could be interesting to look into like the way people if they how they think about games and how they think about playing like socially you know like um i don't know i'm i'm mumbling now so someone please like maybe they they dislike the game because they have to do it alone and yeah they're uncomfortable with being alone. yeah and they define like um like their gaming experience by like multiplayer or mm. whatever, but yeah, yeah. or the level of immersion um, makes people think of it being a game or not a game. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'm into it. But to try to get back to an actual answer to your question, which would be nice. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I 
feel like oh, I feel like in some ways I'm totally the wrong person to ask him. Like, if you remember, I played that game with a person. <laughs> um, uh, it's a very intimate game. Yeah, but I mean, like, they are. It's fascinating because they are games about intimacy. Um, mm. And I guess maybe the stereotype is that it is people preferring to like it's it's the basement dweller stereotype, right? Of like, oh, I prefer these digital people um, that I can romance from the comfort of my own bedroom as opposed to going out and like going on real dates. Um, and I think that is the stereotype about it, but also like everyone I know who plays dating sims, like most of them are like Boston polyamorous people who have like 15 partners. Um, and they just like really, really like dating sims. I don't know. It's like, no, like 15 human partners isn't enough. We need digital ones too. <laughs> Um, Did that answer your question? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Okay. <laughs> come on. I'm going to read some of these tweets as the next person comes up. Thank you so much, Cool Hair. Um, come find Ian afterwards to, to talk. Um, so we have from DV at Darby Vernon. Talking and strategizing, strategizing whew, with complete strangers is like the exact opposite of what I do to unwind after work. And when I play with friends, it always feels like I have to commit to several hours every day, possibly for weeks. I like to keep an open schedule. Ooh, I feel that one. Yeah. Friends are <laughs> friends take work. Um, we've got Maddie Fluger. Gaming is expensive. Crying face. That is true. These <laughs> online multiplayer games, they go quick. You're friends will go through them in like three weeks and I have to buy like now they're all telling me to buy Fortnite no one's playing Destiny 2 anymore Don't me, please. <laughs> and that's like a hundred PVB which is the, the opposite end of the yeah. spectrum yeah. even my dad would be tired out yeah. oh that's true that's true I just I oh. prefer to save the world yeah battle royale games Ooh, I get stressed sweat just thinking about it <laughs> Like, honestly. Those are games that get steadily less social over time. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, we've got... Do you want to read one out loud? I've got it up. Uh, Your sultry tones. Awesome. My sultry we've tones. We've got Bradley and Matthew. Uh, okay. This is from Matthew Ludwig. <laughs> <laughs> First I'm, I'm naturally introverted, but I find myself leaning on solo games more... More so because multiplayer games tend to be heavy in making it easy on the player to where there is very little difficulty or mental involvement. They hold your hand too much. Oh, so it's like forming a relationship with a stern parent <laughs> who doesn't want you to mess up, but the parent is a video game. <laughs> uh, and Bradley Robinson says, I love the unique storytelling experiences found in single player games that could never be achieved in movies. Though generally not an anxious person, online multiplayer intimidates me. I love that movie point because I feel like movies is something that we do with other people, but we've somehow managed to make it also a solitary experience. There's like a lot of like social norms around watching a movie with someone that I break constantly by irritating all my friends with my commentary. Who's that? What are they doing? <laughs> What's their name? Are they cute? I don't know. Um, like, <laughs> but like that's, I, I love that someone brought up the cinematic thing because you really do kind of have to be alone. Everyone's a backseat gamer, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you all have heard some ugh over here. <laughs> Do you want to take the next microphone question? Yeah. yeah okay, you so seem like you have cool shoes. <laughs> um, so I was just going to say, um, Andrea sort of touched a little bit on um, the exploration value of gaming alone. And 
that reflects a little bit of my own experiences because although I think I originally started playing games socially with other people, like the thing that really drew me into them was um, the opportunity to explore different parts of myself. And um, like I got really into role playing games back in the days of like Squaresoft and all the rest. Um, and so like, especially um, as someone who is struggling to come out as trans and not really knowing all of that, like, I would read books with characters that had like, you know, that were of similar or the same gender to me. Um, but there was something different for me about playing, um, about playing games, which I think a lot of folks have talked about, like this embodiment thing yeah. that we get from it. Yeah. Um, and so I was really grateful to be able to get that. Um, and it was something I was able to get because there were a few games that I stumbled upon that had female characters, women in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I was, this question is, is almost tangential, but like, I sort of wanted to hear your thoughts about the value of, um, of inclusivity mm. to use the word representation <laughs> in mm. games, um, because of its ability to let us play different roles and also to, to see ourselves in like a sort of different context, different situation than we might, especially for folks who are members of marginalized groups and those sorts of things. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, can I repeat the question yeah. just to make sure I understand? Awesome. So you wanted to know about um, our thoughts on inclusivity in terms of representation of different identities um, in solo play? In right? solo play. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that it's such a good question too, because I feel there are like a lot of solo play games that don't give you that like a lot of choices. And so um, it, I, I feel like it's, yeah, being able to, I think we, we don't appreciate how, how important or freeing it is to be able to choose like who you are in a game, um, and how much, uh, that affects not only the way we play, but how we think about the play, the, what we learn from the game. Um, so I think just being able to incorporate, yeah, more representation, more, um, the ability, I mean, really it's just more choice in, in terms of like, uh, different sort of character things. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a, a, you know, I don't feel like it has to be a huge deal, but like, uh, differences in the way a character looks or, or the way something is, um, represented, I think can help, uh, anything that really helps you embody that character, um, I feel is really positive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I, when I play games that have any, like, protagonist customization. I never play, I never play anyone like myself. Um, it's probably just because like I can pick any game off the shelf and play a straight white dude. And that's boring at this point. Um, so like, boring, well, I'm, I'm the last not boring one. <laughs> um, and I'm not voiced by Nolan North. Um, <laughs> um, but, and I, I realized that like, okay, so I'm going to play like a, a short lesbian in this game. And the fact that, like, because they're single-player games, I never have to think about, like, what assumptions is someone else going to make about me because of the character that I chose? That, like, if I'm playing a multiplayer game and I've chosen, like, a short queer woman as my protagonist, like, are they going to wonder, like, oh, what does that say about you? And, like, in my case, it's just, I'm just interested in, like, dabbling in other walks of life. I'm not necessarily interested in presenting myself to other people as that walk of life. I'm more interested in presenting myself to, like, NPCs as that walk of life. Cool. 
Awesome. Did that get at your question, Jason? Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Please feel free if we don't answer your question to come harass us after, by the way. We'll totally get it right. Awesome. So I think um, this might be our last question. We got yeah. the five-minute marker. Yeah. So you're it. You're the All finale. Right. Are you ready? No Rock pressure. Our world. But, okay. <laughs> so this is something that you've kind of touched upon already, and... I play kind of a couple of multiplayer games a whole lot, and they are ones that specifically don't have any voice chat, and while they have text chat, I usually essentially ignore it. So I always consider it kind of like instead of I'm playing with 15 people against 15 people, I'm one person and 14 bots playing against 15 bots. Hmm. And I was just kind of wondering if... I mean, that's technically like a multiplayer experience with a bunch of people, but is that really multiplayer if I'm not interacting with them at all other than through very surface-level gameplay interaction, just like as if I was interacting with an AI? I love that question because Andrea is an expert at playing multiplayer games without actually treating anyone like a real human. I Yeah, I literally... <laughs> cool. <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess one thing that's always true if you're going to play with other people, even if you don't treat them like bots, never teabag you. It's <laughs> like true. people will find a way to express themselves to you, whether or not you want them to. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, I guess when there are other people like running around in a destiny map or like or if you're I don't know when you come across them, I just, I, I really don't pay much attention to them. I don't know. I can't explain it. Like, um, even when I'm doing like overwatch runs, I'll, I'll do like, I just, if I think too much about the other person, I will be like, uh, oh my gosh, what, I just died again. They know I died and they're going to think about the fact that I died again. And why did I choose this character and blah, blah, blah. And, um, so for me, it still feels like a pretty solitary experience, but uh, maybe that's just my pro. I don't know. No, I I think that's actually, man, I keep, I've said the word existential like seven times today. I need to stop. <laughs> There's a, a great book called uh, Alone Together, and it talks about this issue with the internet about there are ways in which we're connected that are still very isolating and that can be good or bad depending on what experience you're going for. And for me, I think there's really something about the human voice or that um, even words that to me feels very community oriented. So if I don't have those types of things in experience, they do yeah. feel kind of like they're just in my head. Um, and if they're bad at the game, I just feel like it's, you know, a bad AI, right? Like, oh, that AI is so bad at supporting me. And it's right. The coder <laughs> calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me personally, but, um, I'd be interested. Does anyone else not? We got one minute, so anyone can say. Does anyone else feel like if they're not communicating either with like voice or with text that the other people in the game are just like robots? Is that yeah? Okay, I, I'll do raise of hands because I can't hear. But yeah. raise a hand. They're just like robot. Okay, cool. So we have like fifty fifty. So that actually might be like a that'd be an interesting study. I actually would like to see the results on how people perceive other players if they're not. I guess Journey would do that. Mm. Journey's the closest that I can think of. I mean, on the internet, we have a problem seeing people like 
functioning as normal people on Twitter with pictures of themselves as their profiles as complete human beings. Oh, yeah, that's right. For real. Oh, internet. (laughs) Humans. We need to be nicer. That should be the end, I think, of our panel. It's like, we should be nicer to people. And so if you play alone, that's amazing. I hope that you're enjoying it and having, that's a choice. And if you're playing with other people, I'm actually a very social gamer most of the time these days. Um, That's also amazing. And you should do that too. So like everyone play how you want to play. Be in a basement if you want to. It's totally fine. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. We are at time. Thank you. Thank you.